What up, Thrive Tribe? Welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited for you to listen to today's show with Eric Osborne. And this man is an absolute expert with everything mushrooms. And he's been working with psilocybin specifically for over 20 years. And he's been obsessed with mushrooms since he was a young child in Kentucky. And we talk about how mushrooms can really heal this planet, how they can end racism, end war. And I know this might sound crazy to you, but I promise by listening to this show, you are going to expand your consciousness. We also talk about the idea of a bad trip. Is there really such thing as a bad trip? And how else can this medicine impact you in your healing journey? And I think this is one of the most powerful shows we have done, and I can't wait for you to dive in. As always, fam, show love. If this episode impacts you, share it with a friend, subscribe to the show, and share on Instagram. Tag Eric and I at Coach Jeremy305. Let us know what was the biggest takeaway you had from this show. All right, fam, much love and enjoy. Peace. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Thrive University. And I am your Chief Energy Officer and Professor Jeremy Abramson. And I am beyond excited for today's show because you are going to be learning a lot about things that they never taught you in school. And that's the whole purpose of this podcast is to give you the knowledge, the information to empower you to live a happy, fulfilling, healthy life. And my guest today is the one and only Eric Osborne. And Eric is the founder of the nonprofit Pledge Inc., the mycometation psilocybin treatment program and magnificent mushrooms, medicinal mushroom company. Eric has an enormous amount of experience with psychoactive and medicinal mushrooms as therapeutic agents. Eric, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, great to be here, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Dude, you really challenged me with that intro. There's a lot of tongue twisters in there. <laughs> yeah, uh, the uh, alliteration has always been one of my favorite mnemonic devices. Same with me, brother. So, so we're on the same page there. Uh, let me ask you, so, so what does Pledge stand for? And talk to us a little bit about this journey and how you really got started using psilocybin and medicinal mushrooms as part of your healing process. Sure. Love to. Uh, so Pledge is an acronym, uh, Psilocybin Liberation, Education, Discipline, and Guidance. And the nonprofit uh, is a a resource to provide all of those tools uh, around the use of psilocybin, but more importantly, or primarily what it serves as is an institute to help people get low cost access to psilocybin therapy. So we provide scholarships uh, for applicants from uh, a few primary dem demographics, one being uh, the African diaspora. Uh, and that goes into my, my very long history uh, in serving the, the black community here in Kentucky. And then the other half is serving uh, service members. So and at Michael Meditations, working in Jamaica, I treated a lot of military veterans uh, and 
police officers, retired police officers with psilocybin and saw the enormous need that our, you know, the heroes of this nation uh, deserve this medicine, but aren't being, you know, I don't know there's, a couple, there's a couple of ways we could talk about it, but ultimately they don't have the support that they need uh, and they don't have access to these medicines that can do so much to repair uh, damage from trauma. Uh, so not, the nonprofit was founded in 2016 uh, and has just been kind of grassrooting it since then. Uh, we're starting to gain some speed, though. Uh, I've been up in the States here putting a lot more effort and time into Pledge, and we're starting to gain some ground and get more exposure. We've sent, I think we've done three scholarships thus far, sending people to uh, psilocybin therapy centers. And we have awarded uh, a couple of small scholarships to send people to some some uh, weekend workshops for psychedelic uh, integration. So really, it's all about providing access and education to people that otherwise could not afford it. Uh, my journey with psilocybin and mushrooms overall really begins when I was a kid. I, I just was really fascinated by fungi. Uh, at, at, at age five, there was a recording of me talking about mushrooms. Uh, and so wow. I guess in my twenties, uh, it, it really started with wild crafting, um, started to fill the, 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 the personal need and the social need for us to revert back to, uh, nature or our foods and medicines. And so I started getting out in the woods a lot, collecting wild herbs, ginseng. Is this in Kentucky? And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, ginger and blood root and all that stuff. Uh, and then mushrooms came on my radar when I was watching uh, squirrels eat um, fairy ring mushrooms out in the backyard. I don't know if you're familiar with the fairy rings. You know, mushrooms will often form in circular patterns in lawns and fields and whatnot. And that's, it's not because of fairies. It's because of science. It's the, it's the circular pattern of the mycelial growth and the mushrooms fruit on the margin of the mycelial mat. Uh, so I would watch these squirrels eating mushrooms and just thought, man, there's got to be a lot more mushrooms out there that we could eat. And so I started doing some research, uh, came across Paul Stamets and came across some of the other mycologists that were really pushing the uh, envelope about 25 years ago. And I just devoured everything that I could around wild harvesting and the cultivation of mushrooms. Uh, it just It just took over my life. And in 2009, uh, it was 2000 when I had started this kind of love of like an official love of fungi uh, so 2009. in 2000. Okay. So I'm just trying to, I, I just want to get a good, uh, a good yeah. time frame for this. So you're five years old. It's, I would love to hear that recording, by the way, that's so epic. <laughs> that's like a, that's like a really big sign that this is a calling for you. Oh it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's so deeply rooted. Uh, I, I feel like it's in my, in my genes somehow. Uh, I was on a really interesting podcast last night where it was kind of out there, but got to talking about the theories and notions of past lives and some of the experiences that people have had with psychedelics of, through, of experiencing seemingly past lives. And, you know, even in that, I, I, I feel like I can trace back, or at least I've had experiences with psilocybin that have clearly illustrated to me that uh, medicinal mushrooms and psychoactive mushrooms have been a part of my journey for more than just this lifetime. So <laughs> that's powerful. And, and I think that's actually a good place to create a little context for everyone listening and watching, because, you know, there still is a lot of confusion about the difference between medicinal mushrooms, like 
lion's mane, cordyceps, reishi, chaga, and all of the other incredible uh, medicinal mushrooms out there. And then we have the psychoactive ones with psilocybin. So those might be the ones that people are more familiar with. Can you just spend a quick moment differentiating between the two and then continuing with your story? Sure. I, I think it's it's funny that we do differentiate the two, right? Psychoactive mushrooms are medicinal as well. Uh, I know that's kind of cultural baggage left over from you know them being made illegal and not considered medicine for so long. But we actually knew that psilocybin mushrooms were powerful, uh, positive medicines in the 30s and 40s. Uh, and all that kind of research was just kind of was under, went underground when the drug war came about. Uh, but, you know, Talk we're, Richard we're talking, <laughs> there, there's really three categories that I, I put mushrooms in loosely, and that is deadly, medicinal and psychoactive. Even though the medicinal and psychoactive, there's a lot of crossover. Even your button mushroom that you get in the grocery store has medicinal value. Right. All of our all of nature's foods have some kind of medicinal value. So uh, I don't, I don't want to do a disservice to the, the average mushrooms by leaving them out. They are good for us as well. Portobello mushrooms are they're excellent uh, medicinal mushrooms. But most people, when they're talking about medicinal mushrooms, are talking about your, like you said, your lion's mane, your maitake, uh, your uh, cordyceps, your shaggy manes. There's, there's just hundreds of them. There's hundreds and hundreds of, of, wonderful edible mushrooms that have medicinal value from antibiotic, anti-inflammatory, immune boosting, anti-carcinogenic, antibacterial, they're just vitamin D. Mushrooms are the best non-animal source of vitamin D. Uh, They've got tons of B vitamins, you know, like they're, they're, they're amazing. And there's, they're, when it comes to using them as food, right, then it just opens up so much of a world of creativity that most people have no idea even exists. Like for this last instance, this last, uh, I don't know, four weeks or so, uh, it's been maitake season. When you and I last talked, we were just coming into maitake season and I picked about 200 pounds of maitake this year, just strolling through my parks, you know, not even really working hard at it. But these are huge mushrooms. Some of these fungus weighs like some of the biggest one, I think was about 25 pounds for one single what type of mushroom is that? One, one big fungus. Uh, it's called maitake or hen of the woods, as it's known here. Uh, it's Maitake is the Japanese name, means the dancing mushroom, because you're supposed to be so happy that you dance when you find it. And it's, it is well studied for its immune modulating potential. Uh, it's got several B vitamins that can't be found anywhere else. It, it's just so good for the body. And it's incredibly delicious. And you can take this mushroom and you can do the same thing you would do with a, a slice of beef or, you know, you, you can you can just disguise the limit with these with these mushrooms. Uh, a couple of days ago, we had a bunch of big, I found like 30 pounds of wild lion's mane this year. Uh, and I cut cut some of them up nice into big steaks and we put them on the grill and grilled them as, as, as like actual steaks. Is Kentucky and really is Kentucky phenomenal. known for its foraging? Well, I mean, Kentucky's known for its forests. Um, not a lot of people know about mushroom foraging. It's it's growing in popularity, which you know, there's good things. There, there's good si- a good side of that. Uh, we also have to be mindful that we don't over harvest. Even mushrooms can be over harvested, and then uh, a lot of countries in Europe there are limitations on the amount of mushrooms that you can pick because they've been overpicked for you know decades, if not centuries. Uh, but yeah, Kentucky's a great place for 
you know, just wildcrafting in general. It's the land of wood and water. We've got lots of lakes and lots of forests. And so it's, that's, uh, that, that's my maintenance. That's my self-care is getting out in the woods and, you know, picking mushrooms is a great part of it, but just being out amongst the big, all the trees and leaves and the birds and just nature, you know, it's where it's at. So, you know, it was really a love of nature that led me to mushrooms. And then mushrooms are just so amazing and so mysterious and just, yeah, I can't, I couldn't, there's no way that I can encapsulate all of these strange experiences that I've had where, you know, I've been sitting in my home feeling like I need to go to this certain place and not know why. And when I get there, there's like all kinds of mushrooms there, you know, and that's psych, psychoactive mushrooms that's happened. Like the, the lion's mane in particular is one I've had so many times where I have literally heard come and get me. And I'm just like, what? This can't be, this can't be real. And I go there and sure enough, there's this fucking mushroom is there, you know? So I, I have a, a very intimate relationship with the mushrooms. There's, there's like, there's like the dog whispers. There's you know, like the people who are super good with animals, you know, and you're the mushroom whisperer. You're the fungi whisperer. So let's, let's finish that point. But you, you mentioned something really interesting, you know, in, in this country alone, in America, you know, 70% of people are vitamin D deficient. And you mm -hmm. mentioned that fungi are one of the richest sources of vitamin D. Are there a couple in particular that are better, more rich sources for that? Yeah, uh, but what's even more fascinating is that this is also species specific, but mushrooms, uh, when dried in the sun, you can increase the vitamin D content in the mushrooms sometimes a thousand fold. It's, 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 it's unreal. It's, it's, it's amazing. They, 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 the fruit bodies actually absorb the vitamin D from the sun's rays and store it. And there's been studies that have shown if you dry them with the gills facing up, that they will absorb and retain more vitamin D than if you dry them with the gills facing down or the caps turned upside down. It, it is a fascinating world, my friend, that we know so little about, really. Uh, and so there, there are some mushrooms that are more, uh, that are higher in vitamin D than others. Uh, shiitake is one of the primary. Maitake is a big one. Reishi, which is a, a mushroom that's boiled into a tea. It's a kind of a hard shelf fungus that's often boiled into teas or powdered and consumed. And it's really high in vitamin D as well. But really across the board, all mushrooms are relatively high in D vitamins, especially when you compare it to any other um, protein replacement. So that, that, that's really valuable for people. Huge. Oh. Like, especially vegans or, or plant-based eaters, you know, who tend to be more vitamin B deficient, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, really leaning on these incredibly nutrient rich fungi. And that's, that's really powerful. I've never heard anything about, you know, having the gills faced up and, and that increasing the efficacy essentially of the mushroom. And then you also just mentioned, uh, you also just mentioned fruiting body. I think it's worth mentioning and distinguishing between, you know, fruiting bodies mm. and mycelium. Mm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's a little controversial uh, within the, the community. Um, and you have people that really support one or the other. Um, 
I, I, my, my experience, my preference is to, to have consumed the whole fruit body. Uh, I know that a lot of the supplement lines are, uh, you know, mycelium products. And there is some research suggesting that with some species in particular, that you get more uh, benefit from the mycelium. Um, I, I, I personally think I've, I've seen research that points in both directions. And I personally think that the verdict is still out from my, my gut feeling, which is what I try to go with most often. You know, if my intuition says this, then that's what I want. And, and that is the whole fruit body is what I'm generally uh, after. And that's, that comes from a lot, but, you know, mainly from watching mushrooms in cultivation. I see the, the fruit bodies. So here's the deal. Mushrooms are, as many people know, mushrooms are more closely related to animals than they are to plants. Mushrooms have about 9 million years on uh, the, the, the evolutionary tree with animals after the divergence with plants. Uh, the same kind of illnesses, the same threats to a mushroom's health are the same threats to our health, viruses, bacteria. And so the mushroom's ability to defend those invaders is transferred into us. And so, like, for instance, a shiitake mushroom, as I see shiitake mushrooms, which are powerful antivirals, when I see them grow in cultivation, the mushroom itself is extremely resilient to bacterial contamination, but the mycelium is not so much, right? So that my, my, my sense is that as the mushroom grows and is exposed to external pressures, that it develops um, resistance. And that when you consume the mushroom, you're actually getting that more, I don't want to say evolved, but that more exposed, the, the genetics are then more exposed to the external environment, which causes them to build a resistance. And then that is what is translated into us. Again, mm-hmm. This is this is this this is a mixture of of science and my personal experience and observation and you know the verdict is still out ultimately. Eric, yeah, dude, we we're gonna have to have like a round two with you at some point because obviously <laughs> you're such a wealth of knowledge, and I feel like I'm gonna constantly be interrupting you and cutting you off, but it's it's with good intention because oh, you're um, good, man. Yeah. So so okay. Um, Talking about the, that totally makes sense though, what you're saying about the fruiting body. You're saying because it's more, it has more exposure to the environment and to different factors and stressors, it becomes more resilient and therefore mm-hmm. it, it has more, like you said, um, virus fighting properties and stuff like that. So, so just to be clear, the fruiting bodies, right, are the caps of the mushroom the head of the mushroom, is it anything else or is it just the head? Uh, well, um, mushroom maybe is too, I don't know, general or too specific of a term actually, because when we're talking about the fruiting bodies, we're even thinking about your uh, crust fungus. It's, you know, it's not really, we don't really know of any, to my knowledge, there's no crust fungi that are medicinal. Um, but we have like reishi I mentioned earlier, which is a bracket fungi, right? That's, that doesn't have a cap and a stem like a traditional mushroom, uh, but it's a fungus. We lump them into mushrooms uh, and that whole thing, the whole, the whole shelf actually is what you would use. 
There are uh, some mushrooms that you, for edibility reasons, you wouldn't use the stem, like shiitake mushrooms. People don't eat the stems because they're uh, they're they're too chewy, uh, but they could be boiled and used uh, as a uh, for a soup stock or and, and get extract the vitamin D or whatever else is the lentinin and what whatnot that's in there. Uh, so you know, it's kind of a the, the fruit body is a general term for the mushroom. Uh, but we're not always just talking about your standard cap and stem mushrooms. And then again, it gets kind of it gets kind of wonky when you start breaking it down like that. Because let's look at a psychoactive mushroom, for instance, the Amanita muscaria. Uh, <laughs> well, not that one, but yeah, the Amanita muscaria, which is the red mushroom with the white dots. If if you're familiar, uh, and psilocybin, the Cubensis mushroom can be discussed as well. It uh, there there has been research showing that there is higher concentrations of psilocybin and psilocin in the caps than the stems, right? People ask me a lot, oh, do you eat do you eat whole mushroom? What do you do with it? Is one better than the other? I mean, you know, general practice is you just eat whole mushroom and see where it goes. But as a, as a cultivator, when I, when I am growing a lot of psilocybin mushrooms and I want to take a dose of psilocybin, um, I almost always only eat the caps because they're mm-hmm. noticeably stronger. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. So, so I got, I I'm trying, uh, I got a couple new strains. This is called Malabar. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if, if I think it's an okay example, so obviously, so, so you would, would you use this stem for tea or would you, what, what I mean, are you, are you decaying? Well, so on, on, on Cubensis, uh, which all of your, not all of your psychoactives, but the vast majority of the psychoactives, all the different strains that you hear about from uh, B plus to penis envy to alicabenzi to Malabar and Melmac and all those, those are all very variations of psilocybe cubensis. Uh, that, that mushroom is a uh, dung dwelling mushroom. The, the fresh mushroom, the whole thing, cap and stem is really pretty brittle. Uh, the stems are a little more fibrous than the caps, but overall, they're really a pretty brittle mushroom, and you can just take the whole thing and crunch it up in your mouth. But when you've got like a shiitake mushroom, the cap is noticeably more supple. Uh, it tears really easy. You can chew on it, and it, it it just, you know, very easily breaks down your mouth, whereas the stem is kind of like a twisting rope of fibers that you can't even really chew on. But if you don't want to miss out on the value that that stem has you can boil it as a soup stock and then strain it off and use the broth as you know and then you're still getting the water extracted benefits of the mushroom right so you know yeah it's it it really varies depending on the individual your mushroom that you're talking about whether or not you eat the cap and the stem or you know how how that goes does that make sense does that make sense yeah, that does make sense. It's just people, people want to make a lot of generalizations when it comes to picking mushrooms, eating mushrooms, cooking mushrooms, identifying mushrooms. All And you really, you cannot, you can't make generalizations when you're talking about tripping mushrooms. It's, it's all, it's, it's very important that we pay attention to the details when it comes to mushrooms, because each one is a little different. Uh, every single mushroom experience can be vastly different. Uh, so. That's one of the things I love, I love about them most. And that's kind of like a lot of my interests have, have always been directed towards things that 
have a necessary respect around them. They can be deadly or they can save your life. It all depends on how you use the knowledge that you have gained. Right. I love snakes. What What mushrooms? And I completely agree. Like whether you're having these, you know, like I talk about often microdosing or you're doing a hero's dose, whatever the practice is, you know, mentioning that level of respect, acknowledging mother nature, Mm -hmm. Pachamama for gifting us these unbelievable tools and medicines Mm -hmm. for allowing us to expand our consciousness with them. And oftentimes, you know, when we're younger, obviously we have the intention of just altering our state and just getting fucked Mm -hmm. up and not really caring like, Oh, what's actually happening to my brain, these neural connections, where did this uh, fungi come from? You know, all of these things. Um, I'm curious to know. So, so what are the what are the mushrooms or the fungi, the the most well known ones, the most common ones we might encounter that that can kill us? Oh wow, it's a great question. People don't ask that enough. People want to know about the edibles and the psychoactives, but they don't want to know about the ones that can kill you. We um, can't just enjoy all the other ones if we're dead. Well, it's it's so important. I just I just actually was kind of checking a Facebook group here a minute ago before we got on and. There was a post of a guy who had a picture of a deadly mushroom that does kind of look like a wild, a wild psilocybe. And, you know, he posted this picture of this mushroom saying, hey, you know, I'm just going to eat one of these. Can somebody help me ID this? First and foremost, you never, ever, 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 ever even taste a mushroom if you're not 100 percent sure of what it is. And I mean, 110 percent because like this one that this guy had was a deadly gallerina and three or four of these mushrooms with a head the size of a, of a nickel can kill you, right? Can or, or cause irreversible liver damage. Uh, so the gallerinas are, for people who are picking, looking for psychedelic mushrooms, gallerinas are the probably the most highly suspect species because they grow right alongside in wood chips and mulch with psychoactive mushrooms. They look can look similar-ish to the untrained eye. Um, but once you know what you're dealing with, and it's pretty easy to, to pick them apart, your amanitas are a, uh, a genus of mushrooms that have some incredible choice edibles, uh, has some psychoactives, and has some deadly killers in there. And these are beautiful mushrooms. Your amanita, like uh, I almost went into the muscaria, the red mushroom with the white dots, kind of Alice in Wonderland mushroom. Uh, powerful psychoactive that has both beneficial psychoactive chemicals and toxic endols as well. Uh, but then there's like, um, like Amanita Smithy is a beautiful white powdery mushroom. I mean, they almost look like you want to eat it. They're so pretty, but it would mm. just absolutely, it would just destroy your liver and kill you. Uh, there's the destroying angel in the Amanita family. Uh, pretty easy to identify, but it's, it's been, culprit in a number of uh, deadly poisonings because it it does look somewhat similar at a certain stage of its development to an edible mushroom. Uh, and so people who just, you know, take a first glance and like, oh, I know what this is. And they take it and they cook it and they die. That's fucking crazy. And what, what's, what's, what's crazy about that too is like, it, it usually happens probably out of uh, experimentation and just lack of awareness or lack of intention. And then something like that gives the whole umbrella of mushrooms and healing Mm -hmm. like a bad name. 
And, mm-hmm. and, and, and it, it just takes like one or two of those isolated incidents to, to remove ourselves from all the progress and work that we're doing. Uh, I'm curious to know, Eric, mm-hmm. do you think someone who is listening right now and they've heard about all the benefits of psilocybin and, and, and what that can do for them and what that can open up in terms of possibilities and perspective and awareness, do you believe that those people should first build a relationship with these other mushrooms, the medicinal ones we spoke about, uh, before jumping into psilocybin or no? Man, you're, you're, really, you're really asking and talking about some, th- some very valuable stuff here. Uh, that's something that doesn't come up in the conversation much either. Uh, but I would say absolutely, if you were to do that, then it will facilitate a, a much more enriching experience where you under, you, you at least can have uh, a glimpse into the window of the, the, the vast importance, the vast value that this kingdom has, right? We, we have really undervalued the, the mushroom kingdom. We've considered them, you know, they're toadstools or they're, you know, they're gross, you don't touch them. That's what I grew up here and was don't even touch mushrooms that they can kill you if you touch them. Some of them can, you know, but m- meanwhile, we're finding out that mushrooms are what create the soils of the earth, right? That mushrooms are the greatest carbon, carbon sequestering organism on the planet that these are some of the oldest organisms on the planet that there's one mycelial mat even that is over 2000 years old. They're, they're now saying they suspect it's close to 6,000 years old. This one single organism out in uh, the, uh, the Pacific Northwest of a honey mushroom mat of mycelium. Uh, these are incredibly intelligent remediators of the environment uh, that are at work in every corner of the globe. Uh, and so they, they deserve an enormous amount of respect for, for the networking and connecting that they do outside of our neurological system, right? The mycorrhizal connections in the forest are what keeps the forest healthy. And we've, we've just started to begin to understand there's been, then there's been studies that are showing that a, a, a single species of mushroom under the forest floor, the mycelium that's under the forest floor and is connecting trees of various species from sometimes acres apart is actually transferring and balancing nutrients throughout the forest to keep trees of different species healthy by like by transferring nutrients from different species of trees. So, you know, people saw the, the Avatar movie, you know, years ago when it first came out and there's like, the, you know, whatever the, 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 all the trees and everything's connected under the ground and is talking and they link their hair up. Like that shit's really happening. That's actually happening. Mushrooms are what are facilitating that conversation through these various life forms. It's, 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 it's really fucking amazing, man. And it goes so deep and so wide. I mean, you know, we could talk about, uh, you mentioned cordyceps, but cordyceps are uh, entomopathic fungi. Right, so these are mushrooms that feed on insects, and there is almost a symbiotic relationship between the mushroom and the insect, and the behavior that the mushroom uh, 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 impulses the insect suggests that it is the the mushroom is actually taking over the the awareness or the the uh, instinctive action of the the insect, and so there there are there are mushrooms. 
that only ants know how to grow. It's, it's, there's this amazing delectable species. I've never had the luxury of eating it, but it's a uh, terminal myces. And ants literally grow this mushroom. They, the, the ants will literally go out and harvest the spores on the, of the mushrooms on their antenna and then bring those spores back into their burrow and mix up leaf matter and put the spores on the fucking leaf matter, grow the mycelium, nurture it until it sprouts mushrooms. And if it gets molded or it gets contamination, the ants will go and pick out that mold and, and clean up the culture. I'm never, I'm it, never going to step on any ants ever again. <laughs> that's, that's crazy though, Eric. And like, that is something that I think was pretty well communicated in, in the movie, fantastic fungi. Oh which, yeah. Yeah. Which if you haven't seen yet, you know, it's something that everyone should watch. Mm-hmm. Um, as like a good introduction into this space. I feel like it does a good job. Totally. Watch that, that movie and then eat psilocybin. <laughs> of that hyper intelligence. It's mm-hmm. so beautiful. And and uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you that, that we touched on a little bit earlier was the idea and the debate and the controversy, I guess, between beta glue, or sorry, for... Uh, uh, Beta, what, why am I fruiting bodies in mycelium? And from my understanding, uh, from my understanding, the fruiting bodies are really what contain this high contents of beta glucans, which is what uh, have all these immune boosting properties. And what's interesting also uh, is is Paul Stamets, this guy who's so knowledgeable. He's one of the frontiers in this space. Mm-hmm all of his products are mycelium based and my, again, you know, way more than I do. Paul Stamets knows way more than I do. Uh, but it would be my understanding that you would want a mushroom product or supplement to be fruiting bodies because that's where you get the beta glucans. And of course, you know, everyone is all about the dollar. So you see everyone now launching different mushroom companies and most of the sourcing is garbage. It's all mycelium based. So I'm just curious to know, I know that was a lot of information I threw at you. Um, no, that's but, but yeah, but like to provide a little clarity for people, you know, in the supplement space and, and there's so much out there. So uh, I'm hoping you can help silence some of that noise. Well, I mean, I think, I think that you, you really summed it up pretty well that, the the dollar is king for a lot of these companies and you can grow a whole lot of mycelium in some uh, nutrient rich liquid uh you know it we liquid cultivation liquid culture is something that cultivators do to germinate mycelium uh rapidly and uh it has just been kind of I don't know. It's it's just been uh, concentrated down. So, uh, you know, I I think that it's a hundred percent that for individual wellness that you want to get the whole fruit body. Um, there there may be some there may be some metabolites that are available in mycelium that are not available in the fruit body. But what you had mentioned, the beta glucans, the B vitamins, uh, even vitamin D, these are these are nutrients that are not in the mycelium nearly as much and are what so much of what we're missing out on. So 
it's a little like I know, I know it was like a potential for me to step on a lot of toes here um, because there are a lot of companies that are you know trying to get into the the mushroom game and they well, don't they want should, to they should be held accountable bro like i i, I completely agree yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not i'm not shy i'm not shy about it yeah and i'm and I'm, I'm fine with it uh it's just kind of like right now that's this conversation hasn't been brought out to the public like it should and people are getting sold a lot of bunk materials just you know on companies that want to ride the wave of mushroom popularity uh you know what whatever mushroom you're consuming i mean you know not whatever mushroom but Consuming any mushrooms is better than consuming no mushrooms, right? So if it's just the mycelium, that's all you can get your hands on. Well, that's better than nothing, but there's better out there. And I, you know, I personally think that even when it comes to the consumption, that there is a significant value in consuming the fresh mushroom. And some of that is from a nutritive standpoint, but a lot of that is just from a relationship standpoint. We we have better health when we have a better relationship. Yo, 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 I am sorry for interrupting today's show, but are you ready to take your movement mindset and nutrition to the next level? Well, if you answered yes, I have great fucking news. I am accepting applications for my 12-week one-on-one coaching program called Thrive. And this program is unlike anything you've ever experienced. You get daily one-on-one access with me. You're going to have my personal number. I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to call you out on your shit. But here's the thing. Only apply if you are ready to invest in yourself. This program is not for everyone. I only work with five students at a time. So if you're interested, DM me the word thrive on Instagram at Coach Jeremy 305. DM me the word thrive at Coach Jeremy 305 right now. Now let's get back to the show. There's not a lot of quantitative difference in those two, right? But there is a qualitative difference because if you are holding that mushroom, you just held up that mushroom and you looked at it, you you can't help but just kind of wonder a little bit. You can't help but just kind of think a little bit about what is this thing? Where did it come from? And and what made it so special? Right? Yeah. You, I mean, you just, you just, they just spark appreciation and curiosity, curiosity, even, even when I was arrested, right. Even when they, they got me for psilocybin here in the States and when the cops uh, were, were taking us away, they had a, they had a few mushrooms that they found out in my compost, a few psilocybin mushrooms. And they were joking about, how cute these mushrooms were and oh look at how this one grows and it's just so cute and and like that's like they weren't being assholes they were actually really like oh these are really cool you know so being able to have that relationship and have that intentionality behind whatever it is you're doing is going to improve our quality of life and when we're talking about health and wellness like that's like yeah we're talking about like you know like all the all the measures that we can that we can take to analyze the wellness of the individual. But really, like in my mind anyway, we're thinking about quality of life overall. And that can't, we, we can't just focus in on, you know, your diet or your exercise. We've got to focus on you know, our intentionality and our engagement with our environment and our conscious conversations and the relationships that we have, and how much time that we spend outside like there's a whole host of factors that we have to take into 
consideration with our wellness. And so for me, that's why harvesting my own mushrooms, going out in the wild and picking mushrooms, this is just like, and then bringing it home and cooking it up and feeding it to my kids. My kids are cooking it with me and my family in-laws are coming over there and like, I never knew this mushroom was out here. This is so crazy. And so like it generates conversation and excitement and then you're like, it tastes good and it, you don't have to eat as much meat. I mean, that, that's a huge thing, right? Like, so yeah, we got all the supplements going down and that's, that's great and all fine and good. But if we were to replace 25% of the meat that we consume as a nation with medicinal and gourmet, gourmet mushrooms, we would see massive environmental, positive environmental impact, positive health impact. I think we would see a, a impact on our communities as people started to do things like go foraging together or get involved in cultivation and whatnot. You, you see in other cultures that are not as mycophobic, that there is a ton of commu community that generates around these organisms. And that is, that is like right now in COVID, I think we can all appreciate how important that community is to our health and wellness. That dude, that's so beautifully put. And it, I recently actually read an article. It might've even been in the wall street journal a couple of weeks ago, how in Russia in parts of Russia, it's become the number one hobby, like foraging mm -hmm. for mushrooms. And people have actually designed their day and designed their life around the best time to forage and stuff like that. <laughs> so, so I think, I think you're right. And, you know, I know the work that you're doing with pledge and the work of people like Rick Doblin at maps and, you know, with this new, this new, uh, I guess law that got, uh, uh passed in Oregon and mm -hmm. in different cities and municipalities decriminalizing psilocybin, we're starting to wake up as a collective. Mm -hmm. And, and it's amazing to see this progress. So what do you uh, talk about? First of all, I, I, I want to make sure that we spend time talking about pledge and we have plenty mm -hmm. of time. So no worries there, but, but let's continue this conversation uh, about mm -hmm. mushrooms, maybe, uh, maybe busting some myths that people think, you know, talking about bad trips, talking about uh, how it's a drug, uh, things like this that people have been ingrained with since a young age from their parents or from culture or from the news, whatever it may be. So what are some maybe common myths that you'd like to bust about mushrooms, about fungi? Yeah, I think one of the first ones to hit is psilocybin. It's, it still surprises me that there are, are, are a lot of people out there that think uh, that the effects of psilocybin are due to poisoning. Uh, that is completely false. Psilocybin mushrooms are 100% non-toxic. Uh, it would take close to half of an individual's body weight in fresh mushrooms to get to a even to even a closely to a toxic uh, uh, level of psilocybin. It's just, it's not going to happen. Uh, so, uh, and not only is it not bad for you, it's actually very good for you. And I don't mean just the experience. I mean, neurologically, we know that psilocybin improves neurogenesis. So it does help to repair and grow brain cells. Um, the same also for lion's mane, uh, and repairing myelin sheathing, uh, and other neurological 
damage, lion's mane is a really, really valuable mushroom for that. But I don't want to get too far off on a tangent there. Um, I think the bad trip is one to bring up, especially if your listeners are into, you know, starting to get into the information around psilocybin microdosing or microdosing. Uh, oftentimes people start microdosing, they feel the benefit and they think, okay, well, I'm ready to step it up. Um, and that is, that is well and good. Um, but it requires, um, another level of intention and preparation, uh, because there is the, uh, you know, dreaded bad trip, which I don't really believe in. I don't believe that there is a bad trip after having, I probably had about 50 really bad trips. And then I was like, oh yeah, there's no such thing as a bad trip. They're actually all good for you. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's a topic that people, we could spend a lot of time just talking about the bad trip. Uh, but basically no trip is bad because every trip, uh, has something to teach you. And the difficult trips most often uh, are the most rewarding. I'm sure you know that with ayahuasca, that you know, the, the, the challenging experiences are the ones that have the best payoff generally. Um, let's see, other misnomers about mushrooms. Well, Eric, I'm gonna piggyback off what you said yeah, right sure. before you continue. And, sure. and yeah, I, I really believe that the idea of a bad trip is usually referring to, like you mentioned, a very challenging, a very difficult time and experience with the medicine. And Mm -hmm. I always say, you know, whether it's ayahuasca or psilocybin, these medicines are so hyper-intelligent that they give you what you need, not what you want. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. chances are there's areas of your life right now that you are running away from, escaping from, or just numbing, maybe with alcohol, Mm -hmm. maybe with sex, maybe with drugs. And this is going to shine a bright light over that. And Mm -hmm. you're going to have that hyper awareness, which is good because now that you are aware of that darkness, you're aware of those shadows, you have the ability to really take ownership and make some significant changes in your life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and that's, that's why it's really important, can be extremely valuable to have somebody with you that, that has just, you know, a decent amount of experience uh, that can maybe help take that frightening or challenging material and turn it into a lesson. Uh, you know, I've met people who have told me about their, quote, bad trips 10 years after they happened. And after having a conversation with this person, they came out of it saying, oh, wow, that trip was really trying to show me something. And so 10 years later, a bad trip can still be a teacher to you, but you know, 10 hours later, (laughs) we can, we can start learning lessons quicker. If we, like you said, just kind of uh, just allow it, just be with it, accept it as it is and really try to understand what it's trying to teach us. Not, you know, why did this scary thing happen? Yeah. And, and, and obviously, like you mentioned, intention is super critical, you know, really understanding why you're embarking on this journey and mm-hmm. set and setting, like, what's your mindset going into this? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and also who are you doing this with? What, you know, what type of music, what type of environment, nature, like you mentioned, extremely instrumental that, that you're not going to be uh, triggered by these toxic things in your life. So just be conscious of 
who you're doing this with, um, if you're doing it with anyone, and who you are, where you're going to be, and obviously putting mm-hmm. safety first. Um, uh, Absolutely, for, of course. So I'm glad we I'm glad we uh, went over that um, the bad trip thing because well, and like I said, man, this this is this is huge stuff here. This is like, we're, we're really just glossing over all of this on a very surface level. We could talk about the ins and outs of difficult trips for, I mean, I've, I have had hours of straight conversation just talking about integrating and working through challenging experiences. So, you know, even after hundreds of times you can have, you can have how many trips can you have? And you hit one where you don't know what the hell to do with this thing. And it it is terrifying. I mean, I, I had a trip, now, I've, I've had 500 doses of psilocybin at, at minimum 500 doses. And about a year ago, I had a trip that was absolutely the most terrifying, paranoid. I mean, I, I, I thought I was not getting out. I literally thought that the only way out was to kill myself. I just, there was nothing. But there was still that little part of me that knew to just hang on, just ride it out, just hang on and ride it out. And it took about, it took about 12 hours for it to really fully break. But when it did, I had the most amazing two months of my life of just perfect clarity and everything was just falling into place. And so if it wasn't for going through that really challenging experience and then talking about it afterwards and and all the processing, uh, then I I would have never had that. So, yeah, there's just there's just so much there to talk about. And I know we could go on for a while running out of time here. Uh, We're good, bro. I I honestly think we should have. We should, we'll, we'll talk about this out, off air, but we should, I think having like another episode simply about integration and, mm-hmm. and, and addressing how to really, uh, how to really identify uh, some of these patterns, some of these things that come up for you, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of traumas from the past possibly, uh, but, but for sure, that's extremely, mm-hmm. extremely yeah, valuable. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I'm curious to know, because you mentioned right at the beginning, how you're seeing and you're working with veterans who are suffering with PTSD. And I know there's a ton of research happening right now at Johns Hopkins and other really well respected institutions about the benefits of psilocybin therapy with PTSD, uh, with P- people suffering from PTSD. What are, talk about, talk about some of the research going on, some of the stuff that's taking place right now, you know, in regards to PTSD, anxiety, depression, cancer patients, all of these, all of these mm-hmm. people and all the healing taking place. Well, I mean, I won't, I don't know if I want to talk too much about the research because you can, you can go and find that pretty easy online. Uh, there are a number of institutions that are doing a lot of research around all those topics and are finding of course, the people are having incredible results. I'm, you know, yes, of course, psilocybin is going to reduce anxiety and depression. It's going to show you so much more about life that you never even knew was there. It, it you know, they're, they're, the research, I guess, where I, I kind of diverge from the research, and I, I very much appreciate it. I, I, it's enormously valuable in helping to move this, this work forward. Um, but the research is, is focused a lot on the serotogenic system. Uh, it's focused on this kind of uh, 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 on the neurological aspect of psychedelics. And I'm, I love the brain chemistry. I love the science behind it. I think it's really fascinating, interesting. But after all these years working with psilocybin, 
it's really the experience itself that has value. Um, I, you know, let let people study and let them bring all the evidence that they need. I have seen firsthand the miracles that psilocybin performs on depression, anxiety, PTSD, uh, uh, binges of alcohol, sex, drugs, whatever. You know, I mean, this this stuff. It's not just a chemical reset. It's not just just a rewiring. That is a a component of it, but it is it is a massive shift in your individual energy. This is like a tuning fork. I I believe that psilocybin in many ways is like a tuning fork of our bioelectromagnetic field. And we hit this big fucking bang and it will just shake off a lot of the shit. And so, you know, no research is going to talk about it in that way. And for those people that need, you know, the quantitative analysis, then they can go to Johns Hopkins, NYU, uh, Compass Pathways is doing some stuff, and that's a that's a for profit company. Uh, Imperial College, we contributed to some research with Imperial College through Myco in Jamaica, and and Pledge will contribute to research as well. Um, but really, why do we need you know white guys in lab coats telling us what the native peoples to this land knew for thousands and thousands of years? It it, it really kind of frustrates me that we've got to have this you know scientific model to prove what has been proven for millennia, you know? So, you know, I, I encourage people to go check out the research and see it's pretty, it's pretty cut and dry though, that this, this is one of the safest and most positive, powerful medicines on the face of this planet. And that it seems very likely that psilocybin and edible gourmet mushrooms in overall are going to help lead us into the the future of human wellness i i have no doubt about that and so if if we will partner with the mushrooms then we will see a beautiful bright future for humanity mm, i love that brother well put that's beautiful and 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 yeah you're right like i think i think the research is more so so we can move forward and getting some it's, it's, getting it's some really low-hanging fruit you know like 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 I, I'll never forget this one guy I worked with. Uh, you know, he he came he came to me for depression. He came to psilocybin uh, to treat his depression. But he was a just just an amazing creative person. And you know, this is a lot of the times some of the most creative people are the most depressed because they're living in this. A lot of times are living kind of a suppressed life and are not able to really express themselves. And he came out of his third third trip with me, and. Uh, he had just had this death experience, right? He died and reborn, you know, and he came out and he was like, of course this shit cures your depression. It shows you that God lives inside of you. Like, duh. And it's just like, yeah, right. I know all the, all the kind of science around it is like, you know, what's going on to the serotonin system and how are we modulating, you know, these receptors and that's fine and dandy. Let's go see God. Let's go see God. And then we'll, and then we'll talk about our depression being lifted. And I'm, I'm not worried about, you know, neurons firing, all that's going to happen. And somebody else can count those beans. <laughs> wow, dude, that's fucking so powerful. Is there any other, is there any other, I know there's been a lot for you, maybe a personal story with yourself that was really transformational where, uh, where, where again, you talk about, Again, I have a I have a good habit of uh, interrupting myself, but 
Um, I think it's just so critical to recognize what you just touched on is the things that are accepted as uh, just recreational, you know, uh, doing, doing blow, doing coke, drinking, whatever it may be. These things like boost your ego. They give you a self, uh, a mm. false sense of confidence or whatever that thing is. Right. And, mm. and when, when you do these medicines, you have that potential to have the ego dissolve. Mm. And I think that's one of the things that's so humbling about this medicine is that you realize wow, like oneness is real. There's divinity Mm -hmm. inside of me. There's divinity inside of you. And Mm -hmm. all of the other little bullshit that we tend to revolve ourselves around and occupy ourselves with is so insignificant in the grand scheme of things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Monkey problems. That's what the mushrooms told me. That shit's monkey problems. You're worried about your relationship. You're really worried about your bills. You're re- worried about your haircut, your job, your car. Your it's fucking mo- you, reprioritize. <laughs> yeah. So, so what was the biggest shift you you? Oh man, it is it is for a lot. So maybe a personal story. Ah, God, I, I there's just been there's just been so many, man. It's so hard to say. I mean. I will say that I was a very angry person that mushrooms, one of the first major shifts they brought about in my personality um, is they helped me see that anger was destroying me and I was going to destroy just every chance I had in success and family if I couldn't get this rage under control. Uh, And uh, I went into mushrooms intentionally uh, one night trying to kind of to work through this and it ended up being this really amazing kind of drama playing out of me taking this in, this infant wrapped in you know swaddling clothes and taking it out in the forest to to die and so it was my anger and I you know I, I I had kind of realized it showed me how I had nurtured this aspect of myself and had used it as a line of defense or a way to kind of like you know feel like I was protected. Uh, and that it was really a burden to me that was dragging me down. And, and, uh, it caught, it caused a very, very huge shift. But I mean, from alcohol, my, my relationship with alcohol and tobacco, it has, uh, has saved my life. I think in that regard, uh, growing up in Kentucky, you know, it's just whiskey everywhere, bourbon country. And I grew up like around the corner for corner from distillery and grew up Catholic. So it was just bourbon everywhere we went. Uh, and mushrooms really opened me up to that. Mushrooms helped me get uh, break out of the homophobia and the racism that I grew up with. I mean, you know, Pledge is the organization I founded. Pledge was basically born out of me working with uh, inner city youth. And and I wouldn't have been doing that if I hadn't taken mushrooms and seen like, hey, we're all one. And all this bullshit that you grew up hearing about, you know, gays are going to hell and and blacks, you know, don't deserve the same opportunities as white people. It just like it just squeezed all that shit out of me like a like a rag. And uh, and then I just like had this it, it woke me up to Pan-Africanism and uh, the, 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 you know, the amazing gifts that the African diaspora has brought to our world. And uh, and so then I started on this kind of journey to be of service to Mother Africa. And that's so much of what Pledge was born out of is trying to. Uh, 
kind of repair the damage done by my ancestors uh, to my ancestors. And so uh, psilocybin has had a huge impact on the person that I am. Being a father, I'm a father of three, and the way that I parent my children is so vastly different than the way my parents did. And I know that is in large part because of psilocybin. I mean, how many times the mushrooms have just sat me down and helped me help me love my, my children and my family better. Um, I, I, I can honestly, I, I can say that every aspect of my life, psilocybin has touched from the, my diet and my health and my focus, my focus on my own personal health and wellness, uh, where psilocybin has taken me now, actually in the last, at kind of like at this, at this juncture after 20 years, I feel like one of the most profound revelations that I've had is that, um, the bioelectromagnetic field uh, that the Qigong masters have talked about for millennia is 100% real and 100% uh, at our engagement and disposal. Uh, and, and so now I've actually just finished a Qigong class before we got started on this podcast. podcast. And uh, in the last six months to a year, uh, psilocybin has, has basically shown me that, that, this is the key to my longevity is to work with this energetic field that I never believed was even there. You know, I'm all, I've, I've been a skeptic. I've been, uh, you know, I need proof. And it was only after hundreds of experiences that, you know, I finally came to believe what I was witnessing. So anyway, it's had a huge impact on my life and I've seen it perform miracles on hundreds and hundreds of people. Dude, that way, that story and just going through some of the breakthroughs you've had, especially, and I appreciate you sharing so openly, Eric, uh, especially the one, you know, about, about growing up in Kentucky where there's a lot of, a lot of racism um, mm-hmm. and, and you being able to kind of see through all of that, through the medicine and understand like, oh my gosh, what is all of this nonsense that mm-hmm. has been, has been taught to me? Uh, and you were able to flip the script and it's so beautiful now that you're dedicated your life to serving in such a powerful way, brother. Um, so, so I'm so grateful for you and I can't wait to amplify our impact together and bring more awareness to the work you're doing. I I'm really curious to know, I'm not sure how much you know about this, but you know, a big thing is people who are seeking healing through, uh, psilocybin in particular, right? And they've heard about microdosing. They've heard about the benefits of doing a heroic dose and having that really spiritual experience. But they're currently taking, you know, SSRIs, antidepressants. What are your thoughts, you know, on on those people experiencing it while on uh, antidepressants? Is that is there a clash there? Um, that is that's an excellent and really important question. Uh, the the only medication that there is any um, uh, contraindication with is lithium. Uh, people who are taking lithium should 100% not take psilocybin, and they should be off of lithium for about six weeks at least before they try to take psilocybin. Uh, there there have been some instances of adverse reactions, no death or life threatening occurrences to my knowledge, but just want to be really careful. Uh, with all of the other, with all SSRIs though, and I and I have dosed 
hundreds of people on SSRIs with psilocybin. Um, it's, a, it's, again, extremely variable. I have worked with people who have been on SSRIs for 10 years, and three grams of psilocybin was enough. And I've worked with people who have been on SSRIs for 10 weeks, and 12 grams of psilocybin didn't do anything. So wow. it's very, yeah, no, it's really, it really throws a ringer in the whole works, man. It's really interesting. Uh, and I, I, am, I am interested in the neurochemistry there and what's going on. And I think there's a lot to study there. Um, but it's extremely variable. So every individual, I think that every individual should really uh, be, be careful, be cautious, trust the medicine, know that the medicine is safe and trust the medicine uh, because you may take a three gram, three gram dose and find yourself blasted off into Mars, you know, um, so if you're on SSRIs, don't just assume that you're going to have a low response to psilocybin. Start with a moderate dose anyway. Like uh, when I have when I have work with people who are on SSRIs, um, you know, it depends on the situation. But oftentimes I'll still only start them out around three or four grams just to see how they're going to respond. Because uh, it's, it's important that you don't send somebody out too far too fast. And I think that's that's worth bringing up to the listeners as well that. No matter who you are, if you're going in to work with psilocybin, and especially if you're not working with someone that has extensive experience, and I mean like 10 years of experience working with psilocybin, then you want to start out slow. You don't know what's going to come out. I have seen beautiful things happen, but I have also seen wild, crazy, unexplainable things happen that had anyone else been there but me they probably would have tried to take somebody to the hospital. I mean, I saw, for instance, this one guy, uh, if it wouldn't have been for the experience of how I had, I, I don't know, I would have probably been very concerned, but I, it was about four hours of massive convulsing, just nonstop massive convulsing. And there was a whole lot to it. It was really ultimately a release of shame and guilt, but it was extremely powerful. And Nobody else, you know, everybody that I was working with at that time had been working with psilocybin for years and they were concerned. <laughs> and I was just like, I know it looks bad. I know it looks scary. I know you don't understand what's going on, but I know that this is good for him and we're just going to let it ride out. And that that's the key. So, you know, again, with the SSRIs or without SSRIs, I strongly encourage people to to take it slow be patient. You can get a lot more out of a little dose than you usually think you can anyway, right? So gradually build up to those bigger doses. And even still, I, I mean, after, you know, like I said, 500 trips, and I had a trip six months ago that I seriously thought for two hours that the only way that I was going to get out of this computer-generated hologram was to kill myself. And it took me having the experience that I had to know to just hunker down. There, there's some little part of me. And I, I believe it's really important that if we're going to be adventurous psychonauts, we have to really train ourselves to trust the medicine and to sit through the medicine because it can convince you that you're fucking dying in a multitude of ways and you need to just die. You need to just give over to it and let it take you. Uh, so be careful, be slow, respect the medicine and it'll treat you well. Yeah. Wow. And, and that last point you just made about trusting is I think one of the things that 
is most challenging is the surrender Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. is when especially when you start to like oh shit this seems like it might be a dark moment and you start to like you start to like open your eyes and and you start to uh control the situation Mm -hmm. and and in my experience i know when i first did ayahuasca like a little over two years ago that happened my my second journey i did it like i i couldn't Mm -hmm. fully let go so when i went back this past time i did three journeys in mexico and I was really committed. You know, I had a mantra that anytime I felt scared or I wanted to wake up and get out of the experience, I, I just repeated this mantra and it allowed me to, again, fully surrender, connect with my breath. And that's a really important point that you bring up. Mm. Yeah, dude. Um, fuck, man. So, so basically what I'm getting at, what I'm getting from you about the antidepressants is mm-hmm. that, for instance, someone wants to say, once someone wants to start, uh, someone wants to start microdosing, right? A microdosing protocol to mm-hmm. eventually get off of antidepressants. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, would you navigate that by kind of just experimenting with different doses and then gradually lowering their dose of SSRI? I know you're not a medical doctor or anything like that. Mm-hmm but I feel like you're much better. Um, so, so what, so just that, that would be, that would, that would be safest and best case scenarios. That's what I always recommend to people to do to, to kind of grab. It to big doses and never take another SSRI just immediately to wake up and say, that ain't for me anymore. And, and have no withdrawals, have no symptoms. Now, I've seen people try to come off of their SSRIs and have really bad withdrawal symptoms and really bad reactions. So, again, it's extremely individual. I think that probably one of the best things, best pieces of advice that I can give is to listen to your gut, listen to your intuition, listen to what you are telling yourself. And I don't mean that that ego self, that, that listen, listen to that quiet, still gut that knows what to do. And it has a way of, it has a way of working out, but yeah, be, best case scenario is, you know, you're kind of, you're kind of doing a, a wean off of the SSRIs and using psilocybin to, to help kind of replace some of the, the impact. Um, but man, I've just, you know, it's, it's been far more people that I have seen use psilocybin to come off of SSRIs than I have seen people who have have not had a positive effect from psilocybin or have felt like they need to continue using SSRs. And again, like pharmaceuticals are valuable and they they have a place. Um, I don't think they have a place in like long-term wellness for people. And that's the the problem we get into is people are rotating different SSRIs for 10 or 20 years. And uh, so I don't want to, you know, just dismiss those medications because I have seen them save lives. I've got a really good friend right now that I think lithium is absolutely what saved his life right now. Um, but you know, these are, these, these are a, should be a temporary solution. Exactly. People are using lithium to, to cure or to, to heal from what ailment exactly? Depression. Okay. Suicidal depression. Straight, Straight lithium. Uh, as far as I know, yeah, 
Yeah, at least that's what I was, he was telling me. I've worked with a number of people who they, this is their medication is lithium. Yes, it is just lithium. Yeah. Mm. Um, Eric, like I said, we're definitely going to have a round two because I feel like you are the fucking guy for uh, for 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 in terms of you've dedicated your life to to learning and to experiencing and to serving. So, brother, I just want to acknowledge you for for really the commitment and the consistency that you've demonstrated. And I'm committed to supporting you in any way possible, you know, whether that's having you on another podcast, doing uh, some sort of collaboration, whatever that entails. Um, you know, I, I know the work that you're doing is, is really impactful and it's saving lives and it's, it's empowering people to take their power back. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, and, yeah. And break free from their emotional wounds of the past. So I appreciate you, brother. And I just want to finish with a couple, Thanks. a couple, my pleasure, man, a couple questions because this is Thrive University. Uh, and my mission is to really empower the listeners with the information, the education, the content that they were never given in school. And I want to do mm-hmm. that for free. So, mm-hmm. what is one thing that you wish? you have been taught that you wish you were taught in school or because you have three kids, what is one thing maybe that you're teaching them that you were not taught? Well, I'd say that it's probably both. And that is the first real time that the mushrooms spoke to me. Um, And they, they said just simple. It's all energy. It's all energy. And so I think if we really meditate on the impact of that, what that means and what that allows us to do and how we can transform our world with that simple awareness, uh, that that can go a really long way in how we raise our families and how we engage with our communities and how we impact our world overall. It's all energy, brother. And you bring good energy. I really appreciate uh, appreciate the vibe here. And I appreciate what you're doing and helping to, to like you said, man, empower people. Because that's the same thing with psilocybin. What I love about psilocybin is that it brought or it brings people to me so that I can show people themselves and just say that, like, it's in you. You don't need me. You don't even really need the mushrooms. The mushrooms are just here to help you see yourself. And, and that's really, like, that's where all the power lies. Oh, man, that's beautiful. And, and um, I'm curious to know, you know, if, if all of the messages, all of the information uh, that you put out into the world got erased, it got deleted. All right. Bad mushroom trip. Um, but, but you get to leave people with three lessons on how to thrive in their human experience. What would those be? Well, the first thing would be gratitude. First thing would just to have a, have as much gratitude as you can, whatever, like look around. I can look around myself at the, <laughs> and just and just dive into that. Um, after that, I would say working for others, being of service, being of service. Um, and then after that, I would say rest. Take time to rest 
just relaxing it, relaxing the beauty of it all. We spend a lot of time trying to, you know, make things happen and change the world. And we can actually do a whole lot by just kind of taking it easy and taking care of ourselves and taking care of our families and our immediate circle, you know. I really resonate with all three of these. So we have gratitude, service to others, and rest. My mm. brother, I appreciate you so much, Eric. And quickly share with everyone where they can connect with you. Where can they uh, get involved with Pledge? I want to make sure as many people really uh, become familiar with your work as possible. I appreciate that. Uh, so, yeah, Pledge right now is the main public outlet for my work. I've got a couple other projects in line that I'm going to be excited or going to be announcing here for too awful long. Uh, but Pledge, P-L-E-D-G on all the social medias. And we definitely need all the help we can get. If there are uh, people that got money and want to donate money, that's huge, getting people serviced. Uh, if there are graphic designers or marketing pros, or if we, we need some accountants real bad right now. Uh, so if there's anybody out there that's interested in volunteering some time for Pledge, that would be huge as well. Uh, as far as me personally, you can find me on Instagram. My uh, handle is Spore Spreader. Uh, that's what I... I am a vehicle for spores, I think, more than anything these days. Spore uh, spreader. Spore spreader, yeah. Uh, so, and then we got a podcast going to be dropping here pretty soon again. I've got an old podcast that I was doing for a while called The Psilocybin Chronicles, and it uh, just walks through people through a lot of psilocybin experiences. There's about 45 episodes out uh, that were just straight interviews with people after having uh, psil taken psilocybin mushrooms. Uh, and that's a really great source of information for people that want to take mushrooms just to get an idea of what the breadth of the experience can be like. Dude, the psilocybin chronicles that's not why, why did you stop posting there or did you stop? Oh, uh, well, I'm just, I'm just not in Jamaica for the time being. And ah. that was the, 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 the content was being generated from the people that I was working with. Uh, there's a very good chance that it will start back at some point, but I'm just kind of in a pause right now working on a few projects and then we'll go back to that at some point soon a be beautiful brother uh okay so we have at pledge and that's without the e at the end and we have eric at spore spreader we'll link to all of that in the show notes eric last question are you uh can people get starter kits from you grow kits or or are you involved in I'm, that? I am not doing grow kits right now. No, we, we're kind of talking about with Pledge doing that as maybe a fundraiser because um, that's something that we can easily do is put out like sterilized substrates and whatnot. Uh, so it's it's uh, it's being considered right now, but it's a lot of it's a lot of work that goes into it, and there are a lot of great companies that are doing that already. So I'm not sure we really want to be in that space. I think there's other things, the integration and the provision of the medicines that we can uh, assist people with. I love that. Well, if there's, if there's anywhere I can get anything from you, I'd love to just continue. <laughs> from you. Yeah, and man, we'll keep, we keep it talking. My own. Uh, that's the key. I mean, that's, that's really such a rewarding thing. And there's a lot that we could talk about on that. I won't, I won't go into that whole thing, but, but really there is a tangible relationship that develops when you cultivate your own mushrooms. Fuck yes, brother. My dude, uh, I appreciate you so much. Any final words? No, man, I just really appreciate uh, the time and appreciate what you're doing, spreading the information. And I look forward to, to having further conversation with you. Hell yes, brother. Guys, you already know what time it is. It's time to give gratitude. It's time to serve others. And it's time 
to fucking chill. It's okay to rest. That's going to allow you to be recharged and fucking crush it tomorrow. Okay. So give yourself that present. Give yourself that gift of rest. And you already know those are my guy, Eric's three keys to thriving in this human experience. You already know what time it is, fam. It's time to shroom up with intention, of course, and thrive. Much love, fam. Peace. Holy shit, Thrive Tribe. I don't know about you, but Eric absolutely blew my mind in that conversation. I learned so, so much, and I hope you did too. And I'm excited to see how this medicine continues to impact and change lives across the world. It really is just the beginning. And if you wanna learn anything else about what Eric's up to, check out his website. I put the link in the show notes. It's pledge without the E at the end dot org. And as always, hit me up on the gram at Coach Jeremy 305. Let me know what was the biggest takeaway from today's episode. I love you so much, fam. I genuinely do from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate you. And I can't wait to see how you implement some of the lessons from today's show into your life. You already know what time it is. It's time to stop settling for mediocrity and start thriving. Let's go. Oh.